This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses And the voice I hear falling on my ear The Son of God discloses And He walks with me joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing and the Still, or troubled sea, still tis his hand that 
Lord, I would place thine hand in mine, nor ever murmur or repine. Content whatever lot I see, since tis thine hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, in death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. God has created us in God's image to care for all that God has made. We are rooted and grounded in God's love. Let us live in love for one another. Today, is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to Worship Good Neighbors. You are listening to a Neighbors United in Christ Parish Worship Service, sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity. My name is Lauren Tague, and thanks today to Jim Haugerud and Debbie Tague, our musicians. Our reader and provider of the children's message is Steve Helling, and our recording engineer is Isaac Christensen. You are able to join us by NUIC podcast and at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA Radio, 93.1 FM, and it's live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268-9577. By mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin. And through our website at www.nuicparish.org. We want to thank WPCA Radio for this broadcast. Next Sunday, we will be at Little Falls Lutheran at 9 o'clock, and uh, this Sunday we're having our rally day. The church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name, even when we are not together in a church building. God continues to be present in the creative and intentional ways that we gather for worship. Therefore, wherever you are at this time, worshiping in Jesus' name, your present location is the church. You may want to lay down a cloth to lay before you, a candle, a cross to enhance your worship space. And you might want to have a Bible 
handy for the scripture readings and also we'll be having communion if you want to have the wine and bread available. As we begin our worship, it is our desire to honor God, to open our hearts to the spirit of God's love and presence and begin with the invocation. Dedicating this hour to the presence and purposes of God, we worship together with God the Creator, Jesus our Savior, and the Spirit, our breath of life. We confess our sins before God and one another, God of all that is. We have failed to trust you to care for us. We have tried to be our own God in our, our lives and the lives of others. We have not listened to your call, nor lived in faithfulness to you. We have caused harm directly and indirectly to ourselves, our neighbors, and your creation. In your infinite grace and mercy, forgive and restore us, so that with your help, we might become the people you created us to be. Now hear the good news. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you are made new creations in Christ Jesus, and through his selfless sacrifice, God forgives us all our sin. Walk with God in this newness of life. Amen. Let us continue with the gathering songs. My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Now hear me while I pray, take all my guilt away. My zeal inspire as thou hast died for me. I 
serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy, I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see His love and care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that He is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of His appearing will come at last. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. We continue with the morning litany. In the beginning, God created all that is. God formed us out of the dust of the earth. God entrusted us with the care and keeping of all that God has made. It is not good for us to be alone in this work. Therefore, God gives us helpers, equal partners in God's call. Our God, who is three in one, created us for relationships. Relationship with God and with one another. Thanks be to God for our loving communities. Let us pray. Creator God, Draw us into holy and loving relationship with you, all people, and everything that you have made, that we might live joyfully together in wonder, now and forever. Amen. We continue with the children's message and the readings. The first reading is taken from the text of Mark, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish from people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee and the boat with the hired men and followed him. Good morning, young neighbors. How was your week back to school? Did you meet some new friends? I hope you have fun learning this year. Today we're going to talk about how Jesus picked some of his disciples. They were the guys that became his closest friends and helped spread the word about how God loves all people. The way to heaven is believing in Jesus. Jesus spent his time with common people like you and me. He didn't hang around with kings or queens or powerful people. He taught about how the Bible in ways that could all understand. His message of forgiveness was for all people. So let's dig deeper about being a disciple. It is a person that believes in Jesus Christ's message that if you believe in him, your sins will be forgiven and your soul will go to heaven. A disciple also commits to spread the word to other people so they can be saved too. So how did Jesus pick his disciples? We'll discuss how we pick four of them today. He was walking along the Sea of Galilee and saw four fishermen working with their nets. He told them, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. They dropped their work and went along with him. Now Simon, Andrew, James, and John were simple, hard-working people. Jesus knew that he could work with these solid folks to spread the word of God. He knew that others would listen to them because they would share their experiences from being with Jesus. This would be very powerful to others. The disciples shared their personal stories with others. They didn't have to be one of the leaders of the church to have faith. They didn't have to quote from the Bible, just understand what the teachings mean to all people. Some of the leaders of the church at that time thought they were better than the others. This was something that Jesus really didn't like. He proved that anyone that believes in Jesus' message of forgiveness and shares it with others can be a disciple too. He uses his people that are not perfect and that's okay. If we have questions about our faith, where can we go for help? We can pray, we can read the Bible, we can speak with others we trust that have faith. This is also how we build our personal faith. It is important to keep learning as we grow older and can understand more things. So how do you know it's a time to share your faith? Have you ever had a feeling that you knew it was the right time to say something? That's how you will know. So do you have to have a speech ready for each time you share your faith? No. God and Jesus will help you with the right words for that time. That is what having faith is all about. Sharing your personal stories is much more powerful than just quoting from the Bible. The person may not get it right then, but it is a step in the right direction. Remember, new people are invited to Christ one at a time. So let's bow our heads and fold our hands for a short prayer. Dear God and Jesus, thank you for showing us that being a disciple is not hard. You will always be there to help us. Give us a strong faith so we're not afraid to share it with others and to grow our faith as we get older. In your name we pray, amen. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, 
Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. And now may the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Good old Mark. The gospel is what we kind of call the go gospel. It's one that you have to kind of hurry to keep up with because it's always on the move because he's talking about immediately they left their nets and followed them and immediately they move from one story after another all the way through Mark. And so we get to this quick story of them fishing by the sea. They were doing okay as fishermen. It wasn't that they had to change. They weren't destitute. And yet somewhere maybe they'd heard John the Baptist earlier. Maybe they heard of this Jesus before. It doesn't say that here. But as Jesus confronts them and talks to them, they immediately drop their nets and they leave them and they follow Jesus. For a journey that was going to be a lifetime, and it wasn't what they were maybe thinking was going to happen. Maybe as they heard these words, they were excited to think about, we're going out to recruit, and it's going to be an army behind us soon. We don't know what thoughts they had. We just know that when Jesus said, follow me, it wasn't a question that they had to answer inside. It just like it was immediate, just like when God said, let there be light. Light didn't sit there saying, well, let's think about that. No, light shined and came forth. And it sounds like that's what happened with these disciples. Jesus says, follow me. And there they were. But it's not the only thing that we need to think about when we think about them becoming fishers of people, except that we want to keep it in mind because these are the first disciples that are moving with Jesus who became crucial to the story of the early church. And in the following of Jesus, they were fishers of people. They understood that one of the things that they were going to do was to go and invite people to follow Jesus, irregardless of the cost. After all, it cost them their livelihood. And eventually it cost them their lives. Now, they weren't creating an army. They weren't going into a battle to uh, fight for this Jesus. They may have thought some of that might happen, but that isn't what attracted that, them to him. And the fact is, they never did pick up their sword except one time at the crucifixion when Jesus was arrested. talks about Peter thinking of doing that and Jesus telling him to put the sword down. How different in our thinking today. We want to carry the sword. We want to have the biggest stick. We want to have the most nuclear bombs. We want to have everything that would protect us. But Jesus, in his simple way, again reminds us the important thing is to follow him in love, care, and compassion for all people. In fact, he had the audacity to say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you 
Boy, that sounds tough, doesn't it? Another time, Jesus is with these guys, and he's saying, look, look into the fields, they are white unto harvest. Now that speaks of a time of the year when the harvest is, is become ripe and they can go out and they send laborers into the field. He talked about a shortage of laborers. But you know, one of the things I found interesting, I, I thought about, you know, it's not just at harvest time. This morning we have a rally Sunday, which has been going on in a church for a number of years in all around the country. We start Sunday school in the fall of the year. Why? So we can give kids some time to have fun, to have kids kind of become part of the community and then someday they might become a member of the church? Or is it that we are making disciples here? That our kids are important to us because someday and even now, they will take on that calling of being someone who fishes for people, who will go into the field and bring home people to the gospel. Confirmation. Why do we have it? Some say, well, I want the kids to know the basics of our faith. That's good and that's true, but we also want to make sure that they understand that they are part of a community. And that community is just not their classmates, but they are part of the church and they are in relationship with his Jesus to follow him and to walk with him for the rest of their lives and also to be involved in the mission. Why do we do things in the church in general? More and more it seems like it's to keep it alive, to keep it so that somehow the next generation will have a church to live in or to be a part of. But that's dangerous thinking because the church is people being about the task of the church, its main business. I've been talking over the weeks about the four things that happen for revival and one of them that is really crucial is to have a simple, clear message as to who we are and whose we are. We speak of a Jesus who comes to us in love, in grace, in mercy. But not just to us, but to others. When Martin Luther was asked, what is our job? He says, I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. It's not that we're the greatest people in the world, that we have it all together. We are just people who have received grace from a God who loves us. And we want to do the same for others. Keeping it alive is not for the church building or the church structure or the pastor to have a good salary or to have leaders that would help us, you know, get a choir, get the robes, do things that are fun, or just to have fellowship dinners and so forth. But we're in the business of welcoming people into the kingdom of God. We are in the business of introducing people to this Jesus, the one who loves people of all types, of all ages, doesn't make any delineation between us and another. 
We just know that Jesus loves people. There are a couple stories I've told quite often. One is the Canon Wydell story where he has the life-saving station and they go out and they were in a place where there were shipwrecks that happened and they would go out and rescue people. And after a while they had to have a place to clean up and to uh, take care of people and so they built a structure and after a while there was more people getting involved because they did such a fantastic job and people wanted to show the thanks for them being saved there. And it grew and grew, but as it grew, it also took on more features that were not, were not necessarily for the purpose of saving people, but for the people to kind of come together and kind of enjoy each other's company. And then that one night when a big ship was wrecked off the seashore and they brought in people of different nationalities that were dirty and uh, not well kept, and they were brought into this little building and it messed things up. And those who had worked on keeping the building clean were terribly upset. And they called the meeting and they said, it's, we can't have this. Well, finally they agreed to put up a state, uh, another building outside this one where people could be washed up and cleaned up before they got into that building. But that wasn't good enough. After a while, another meeting was called and they said, we can't have this, we can't, this is for us. But some people said, but our mission was to be a life-saving station. And they said, but it's no longer our mission now. If you wanna keep doing that nasty business or that dirty business, you can build another one down the road. And that's what they did. And of course, you know the story. It continues the same way, it repeats itself. And on that, on that sea coast, there are many life-saving stations and there are boat wrecks that still happen, but few are saved. Or there's the one about the town where this man goes and visits in the northeastern part of the States and he walks in on a fall evening and, and uh, it's a nice little town he was really enjoying. But you notice one thing that was kind of strange. People weren't wearing shoes. They were well-dressed otherwise, but they didn't wear shoes. Well, he went for supper that night, and a man who was well-dressed, who could have been the mayor of the town, they had a good conversation, and finally he brought up the subject. He said, I noticed something here, that you people don't wear shoes. Why is that? And the guy looked off into the distance as if, that was something you didn't talk about in public. And he said, yeah, why? Why? And that was the end of the conversation. The next morning when he got up, he saw that again, nobody had shoes on. And as he walked the town, he saw a number of buildings that were uh, factories. And as he looked at one of them, he said, what's this building here? And the guy looked at him and said, well, that's a shoe factory. A shoe factory, so you do have shoes. Oh yes, we have shoes, all kinds of shoes. And they're important to us. We, we gather and talk about shoes and we even have some songs about shoes that we sing. And uh, it's a pretty important thing to have a shoe factory and to have shoes around. But 
The fact remained, nobody wore shoes. How is it that we lose sight of our mission? How is it we lose sight of the thing that we are called to be and to do, and we just let it be? Tom Skinner in his book talked about 10% of the people who act and get things done, 10% of the people who act to destroy things, and 80% of the people who just sit there and watch. Sometimes I think we in the church are the 80% kind of looking around and watching and not being involved in the real business of what we were called to do, to follow Jesus, to put on our shoes, not to talk about them, but to wear them. Not just to have stations that are called life-saving stations or the church, but to be a life-saving station where people come to be saved, where people come to know Jesus. Stories from around the world are talking about people who give up their lives to share the gospel. Many of you know I went to China a few times and hearing the stories of the early missionaries there and how many sacrificed their lives and how it made a difference. I think of the Ethiopian nomad. After a program, he came up and was sharing. They introduced us. He couldn't speak English, and so they translated and said he roams the deserts and meets with rancher, well, people who have herds of sheep or goats or whatever out in the desert, and he meets them, and he talks about Jesus. I think of the lady in India who was blind and only knew two Bible verses, but she knew them well. Over 16 men were in seminary who claimed that she was the main influence as to why they were in the seminary as she had brought and talked about Jesus. One of my mentors was Don Flaylin out of Seattle LBI. He amazed me in his way of greeting people and sitting down and talking about faith and life. Flying home from Seattle to Minneapolis, he sat next to a guy whose life was falling apart. They talked the whole way. When they landed at the airport, the man asked if Don would pray with him. Don prayed with him and he became a follower of Jesus. And the man said, would you come to my home and meet my wife and kids? We're thinking of getting a divorce, but I want to give it another chance. So Don went with this man to his family and they sat down and they prayed together. And the last that we heard, they were together and God had changed their lives. You see, we gather this morning, yes, to hear the stories and to sing the songs, but we dare not forget the message that makes it important for us to be here. May we keep the main thing the main thing, a simple and clear message of Jesus and his love, Jesus and his mercy, Jesus and his grace,
Jesus and his love for all people. That he died on the cross for you and me. That we might be saved. That all might be saved through his mercy and grace. Amen. Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Striving to please him in all that I do. Yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is a pathway of blessing for me. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee. For Thou in Thine atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master. My heart shall be Thy throne. forth to live O Christ for thee alone Living for Jesus who died in my place Bearing on Calvary in my sin and disgrace Such love constrains me to answer his call, follow his leading, and give him my all. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee, for thou in thine atonement didst give thyself to me. My heart shall be thy throne My life I give henceforth to live O Christ for thee alone Living for Jesus wherever I am Doing each duty in his holy name willing to suffer affliction or loss deeming each trial a part of my cross oh jesus lord and savior i give myself to thee for thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ for thee Living for Jesus through earth's little while, 
Seeking the lost ones He died to redeem Bringing the weary To find rest in Him O Jesus, Lord and Savior I give myself to Thee For Thou in Thine atonement Didst give Thyself for me I own no other master My heart shall be Thy throne My life I give henceforth to live O Christ for Thee Sweetest that is. 
Let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love. Send us power, send us grace. With gratitude for our whole selves, created in your image and made new in Christ, we pray for the church, the world, and all who are in need. Creator God, as you made human beings to be in loving partnership with one another, give us a spirit of humility and service that we might devote ourselves to the flourishing of your beloved community here and everywhere. Eternal God, in mercy, hear our prayer. God of this and every universe, you brought into being all that is. Fill us with awe at the incomprehensible scale and beauty of creation and commit us to love it as you do. Eternal God, in mercy, hear our prayer. Remind all who lead that they do not do so alone. Give them a spirit of collaboration and a commitment to the flourishing of all for whom they are responsible. Eternal God, in mercy hear our prayer. Bring companionship and mutual support to all who are lonely, overwhelmed, grieving, or ill. Especially Jim Curtis, Dean Muse, Jean Hoisington, Andy Elmer, Kelsey Zamuda, Joyce Anderson, Pat and Lucille Trofe, Jim Wade, Ron Lee, Maury Nicholson, Ida Martinson, Helen Erickson, Julie Dubois, Scott Morgan, Matt Quirup, Randy Goglin, Helen Jorgensen, Becky Anderson, Shirley Lenz, and Dave Christensen. Hold them in the promise of your healing grace. Eternal God, in mercy, hear our prayer. Throughout the world, communities and nations are reeling from the drastic effects of climate change. Strengthen the commitment, perseverance, and power of all who work tirelessly to address this crisis, that we might preserve your creation as a world that supports the life of all who reside here. Eternal God, in mercy, hear our prayer. We remember the saints who dedicated themselves to the care and nurture of your beloved creation. 
Inspire us by their example to answer your call to tend the earth. Eternal God, in mercy, hear our prayer. We place in your loving arms these, our prayers, spoken and unspoken, trusting in your boundless mercy through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. continue with the offering as people of faith we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church even when we are physically distant we invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish your home congregation the synod or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors God of abundance from the beginning of creation you have provided all that we need Accept these gifts out of, your own, out of your own provision and use them for the good of all that you have made. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When this church celebrates Holy Communion, we gather with all saints from every time and place to hear again the story of God's power and the love shown to us through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, and when he gave, had given thanks, he gave it to all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection until he comes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Take the bread or wafer, and as you eat it, hear the promise from Jesus, the body of Christ broken for you. Take the wine or grape juice, and as you drink it, Hear this promise from Jesus, the blood of Christ shed for you. Now may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you to a life everlasting. Amen. Called to walk together as the body of Christ, let us abide with one another in peace. Thanks be to God. 
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day for all. Thank you for listening to a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran Churches, our small town churches in Amory, Wisconsin. If you feel so moved to donate, please visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. God will take care of you through every day.